0: What matters is that the message that they're giving their partner is, yeah, I'm done trying to change you. I'm done with that. I'm going to let you be who you are. And how I'm going to show up is someone who supports you in whatever you choose to do in your individual life. Like in
1: fact, the avoidant is the is the, has been rated based on the science and the research to be the least happy and least fulfilled in their relationships.
0: makes perfect sense. Intimacy is our natural state. Mm -hmm. And that any breakdown we experience in intimacy is learned behavior. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today's topic is about finding harmony. It's about exploring how different attachment styles can thrive in a relationship. And if you don't know what that means, you're about to find out. And we have an expert on attachment styles here today and how they can work together to have a harmonious relationship. It's Carly Myers from the Stress Less Company. How are you doing today, Carly?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here.
0: It's great to have you back. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah, Carly, like, we go we go back, Carly and I, she's the bomb. You're going to adore her. I adore her, so you're going to adore her, I hope. I can't see why you <laughs> wouldn't. Like, there's, like, nothing wrong with this woman. So, Carly, tell us, how did your heart lead you to do the work that you do?
1: Oh, man. Well, if you didn't ca- catch our last, last episode, I guess I'll bring you up to speed. Um,
0: it was, like, you know like 100 episodes ago, Carly. <laughs> so,
1: so. It's time. It was time for us to reconnect. Um, but yeah, you know, I, the reason that I got into this, this work is actually, it goes back to when I was a kid, um, when I was actually about 12 years old. Um, and when I was about 12 years old, um, I want to give a a bit of a trigger warning. A a man was actually murdered in my home and my mom was shot three times.
0: I I actually do this and try to forget it. Like, I mean, seriously, it's, it's so traumatic.
1: Yeah. It was a it was definitely an experience. And um yeah, so basically my mom ended up making a full recovery by by the grace of God and um but I really ended up struggling for a long time. You know, I I struggled with the symptoms of PTSD, with stress, nightmares, jumpiness, anxiety, you name it. And Um, for a long time when I was struggling, I didn't open up because I, I thought that I would be a burden. I thought that I'd be like the straw that broke the camel's back and in the people's lives around me. And when I finally got the courage to sort of open up and share with people what was going on, it was, it was like clockwork. I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to be received in the way that I I knew was really possible Mm -hmm. and so I had these compounding issues right from from this crazy traumatic experience and when I would open up to someone it would be you know one of a variety of different things right so like one would be that person would be totally emotionally unavailable right Uh and I would feel that Uh sense of rejection another would be that I would receive unsolicited advice right and that was even more painful because it's like come on right I already know I'm supposed to be going to therapy and meditating and doing all these things right that's oh painful um, but at the end of the day, these people that I was trying to to go to for a soft place to land weren't able to, to provide that, that. And so anyway, long story short, I I am luckily a pretty resilient person. I, I kept exploring. You know, I wasn't willing to accept this low-grade misery as my new normal. And uh, I spent, you know, 10 years, more than 10 years exploring, trying to figure out what would help me heal my own internal world. But also, what would help me to be able to have that deep connection with other people that I was looking for, so I could heal in that way too, and so thus the the stress less company was born, and and here we are.
0: Super cool, and I'm sure I'm sure I said this a hundred episodes ago, but I'm going to say it again. You know what I love about stories like yours in particular are that it's taking something that would seem really awful and like a, a negative and turning it into a positive for yourself and for other people
1: mm, and that's like that's yeah. the
0: whole resilience game right there
1: yeah it's turning the turning that really awful thing into saying instead of saying that thing was purposeless is finding the meaning in it right and for mm-hmm. me there's there's deep meaning um not Sometimes, depending on on the experience, it could be, you know, the meaning was I learned a lesson and that's that was that's good enough. Um, But for me, in this case, the meaning was that I wanted to prevent those from suffering. I wanted to prevent others from suffering as long as I did. You know, we don't have to suffer 10, 20, 30 plus years before we find peace, you know. So.
0: And in the world of relationships. (laughs) I I, the big thing for me right now is I've been really getting into the difference between uh, men and women. Right, Mm -hmm. that there there are actually physical differences between the male and female brain, the way they're wired the way they think and it sort of lends uh, all the science behind it lends truth, support for this concept of men are from Mars and women are from Venus and a lot of people in the relationship world attribute problems in relationships just to this but Mm. I'm guessing based on what you've learned and what your your area of expertise is, that it's more than just, and also then men are from Mars and, or women are from Venus. And also, let's just speak to all the other kinds of relationships. Let, you know, the, the, those differences also, by the way, you can have a, a male, uh, you can have a brain in a male body, and depending on where your mom was uh, in terms of her own body chemistry, you can evolve a female brain in a male body, you know, and there's mm-hmm. there's a, the- a scientific theory that uh, homosexuals are guys who their brains, they have female brains in a male body, they sort of lends credence to the idea of, well, I was born this way. And there's a whole theory about transgender that goes in, in the scientific world on this now that I don't understand why nobody talks about this, by the way, mm. because the yeah. whole the whole argument out there seems to be, well, you chose it. You're not born that way. But the science mm-hmm. says that our brains are actually chemically wired. To think in a way that's considered feminine or masculine, depending on the chemistry of our moms. You know, we're yeah. in. The, I mean, it's it's kind of wild. So there, yeah. there's. It's so much more complicated than whether you're in a male body or a female body. It's so much yeah. more complicated than that. So There's scales yeah. for men. There's scales yeah. of men who are more masculine, or there's scales. I'm like, we're not even gonna get into that. But what you <laughs> what you're bringing to the table is way beyond that. Apparently, there are relationship styles attachment styles that influence the way people connect also so even if you get past mars and venus or if you're both from mars or you're both from venus apparently there's all this other stuff that we (laughs) that can that can happen also tell us more about attachment styles and and the possible conflicts and how to and i guess by the end of the show we'll get to how to get through that
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, first, I just want to acknowledge that, that what you're, what you're kind of hinting at or pointing to is really true. We all have genetic predispositions in the way that we think and the way that we move through the world. And we also all have that nurture side of us, right? Mm -hmm. Well, depending on some of us, it didn't feel very nurturing, right? So that impacts the way that we move through the world. Um, but yeah, attachment, you know, first and foremost, I guess we answer the question, what, what do we mean by attachment styles? What is attachment? And attachment is, you know, outside of the meditation world, it's really the emotional bond that we hold with another person. So that's the context we're coming with. So what is the style in which or how do we as an individual tend to bond emotionally with another person? And there's four different ways that people tend to bond with other people. So we've got these genetic predispositions, but we also have these attachment styles that say, hey, here's how I tend toward connecting on an emotional level with another person. And um, so we can start with, first and foremost, the, you know, the one that makes up about 50% of the population, thank goodness, which is the secure attachment style, right? So secure, we, these are like, I like to think of them um, as like the superheroes of the attachment world. Right. Because the secure person, they're really, you know, they're comfortable with intimacy. They're comfortable with that connection. And they're usually really, they're really warm and loving. Right, okay? So there's that type of emotional bond. Right. They're then all we have. Ohio, right? What was that?
0: They're all living in Ohio, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? what's funny? I'm I, not I sure they're in New York City. <laughs> It's funny, I get the same response, like a very similar response every time I bring up the secure attachment because especially in the dating world, um, and these apply to all sorts of relationships, but in the dating world, we tend to think um, that secure folks are like mythical creatures because they don't return onto the dating scene very often, right? So like because they're comfortable with...
0: They're unicorns.
1: Unicorns, yeah. They feel like that because when they enter the dating scene, they're snatched up really quick and then they stay in relationships because they're able to maintain healthier relationships over the long period. And that doesn't mean they don't get divorced or, or end up with breakups and end up back in the pool, but they get snatched back up quick. So that's why they tend you to feel You know, what's really like
0: interesting people. about that statistic is it's like a 50% divorce rate. Mm-hmm. It's like a, yeah. it's an interesting correlation, but so- but you know, if, if all the people who were secure attachment people married each other, it would probably be a seventy five percent divorce rate. So maybe they're marrying other attachment styles. Anyway, tell t- t- the only attachment style I know is Klingons. You know, like from Star from Star Trek. Only I-, I always think of a Klingon as somebody who who holds on, and the Klingons were really hostile, so they were they weren't named well. But oh, no, well, you
1: know, I always think about this too, and I don't know what the correlation is, but I do think about that fifty percent divorce rate and how, how there are 50% secures. I'm like, are the secure people just holding down like marriages left and right. Um, and that's probably true, but I can't say the science for sure. Maybe they
0: created marriage.
1: Yeah. Secure people probably to be honest, because you know, the secure attachment style was really created for survival. I mean, all the attachment styles were created for survival reasons, like just for the human race, the human species to survive. Um, and so one of the things that has helped us survive as a species over, over time is that is the tribal kind of approach, right? Mm-hmm. Coming together into clans, coming together into tribes. And so secure folks, that's their emotional bond their style. Tribal right? a, their tribal blue, tribal blue, right? So that's, that's the whole point of the secure attachment
0: style. I, I, you know, I, I think about, I'm just saying, as we talk about this, I'm thinking about people that I've met that I just naturally feel safe with and they're warm and fuzzy and, you know, I'm just like, oh, they're just so easy to be around. Those are probably people with secure attachment styles.
1: Probably, yeah. And you, the best indicator that I've noticed is the consistency of that, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that are in your life that are consistently um, able to connect with you, they're consistently able to be warm and loving. Doesn't mean they don't have bad days, but they're rather safe for you on a consistent basis. And that will be your indicator that they're likely like so likely had a
0: secure Jesus attachment. probably had a secure attachment style.
1: I would think so. I would okay. hope so. yeah
0: just based on yeah. the, based on the the writings about him or at least they, people, yeah. felt, people felt like it,
1: yeah, people felt safe. the consistency of him. yeah, that's actually a fun fun uh, connection to make there.
0: yeah, what but was yeah, the, so you what have... was what was Buddha? You know, I, I mean, he we just he hung out alone a lot.
1: Yeah. So maybe, maybe avoidant, but then you have, you know, like you have people like, like that, that now, now I think also too, we're, we're getting into like extroversion, introversion right? oh, and yeah. that's a
0: whole nother. Right. Well, let's go with category. the, so avoidant attachment style is what percentage of the population?
1: So avoidant is actually, um, about 25% of the population. So we're looking at, um, yeah, about a quarter of the folks and avoidant people, they really equate intimacy with a, a sense that they're losing their independence. Right. And so oh, this is Judith. Because they feel like they're losing their freedom or their independence, they're more likely to push folks away when they get uh-huh. close. It's not that they don't want closeness, it's just that as soon as they have that intimacy and that connection, they feel like they're losing themselves or their independence and so they push back.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Could I, I could know someone like that.
1: I know many people. (laughs) I know many people like that. Um, So yeah, so you have avoidant. And then you also, we also have um, the anxious attachment style. So anxious attachment style makes up about 20% of the population, so a little bit less. And the anxious person tends to be really preoccupied with their relationships. So they, they tend to typically really worry about someone's ability to love them back right not necessarily their ability to love but someone to reciprocate that love and so they're really preoccupied with what the other person might think or what they're doing i'm not
0: like that (laughs) (laughs) smiling guys hmm i spent a lot of time thinking about relationships maybe that's how i got into this work all right so so what's the last five percent
1: so the last five percent is the combo platter of anxious avoidance so they want that connection. They they are preoccupied with the relationship, but also when they get that closeness, sometimes they want to push people away. So it, it depends on where they're at and and kind of where they're at in their own mind and their own body. They could, they could kind of, I don't want to use the word waffle, but waffle back and forth, kind of flip back and forth between the two styles.
0: So 4% of the population controls 80% of the wealth. Maybe that's them.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe the anxious avoidant. But you know, it's funny because the the avoidant person like the purely avoidant person these are the people i mean again for survival reasons like the avoidant person is here for the the survival of the human race so right so they're the person that when when people are dying of a disease when they're starving to death when there's not enough resources where there's been massive loss people are dying right the the avoidant attachment style really serves the survival of the human species because then they're able to show up. They don't need that connection in t- in really stressful situations. They're able to get the resources that they're they're ab- that they need, right? So the food, the water, shelter. Um. So that's that's really the purpose there.
0: Wait, wait a but minute! This also- no, 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 no! Wait a minute! Help me out there. I, I need a picture. Yeah. So you need a picture. I need a picture. So yeah. you're you're in a concentration camp and you're avoidant. What does that mean?
1: So oh gosh, that's a very interesting example. So like that person, because they're not a, not necessarily attached to, they don't have that anxious attachment or that secure attachment, they're likely to look out for themselves. They're yeah. more likely to survive. They're gonna make sure they have their rations. They're gonna make sure they have their food, their water, what their cl- whatever they need to survive. Versus, let's say someone with a anxious or secure attachment, they're not only gonna meet their own needs, but they're gonna try to make sure that they're taking care of everybody else too. Got Which, it. in an extreme situation, could actually be detrimental to them surviving or not. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the purpose on a... Because
0: intimacy is more a, important to them. hmm Connection it. is more important.
1: And, and you know, they've been wired for survival purposes to say we, you know, tribes are what, what makes us survive as a human species. Now, this is all subconscious. This isn't necessarily conscious thought, but that's the purpose of it. This is the reasoning. But what's crazy is that just because, let's say we have the, that avoidant attachment style, just because we're wired for survival to be the lone wolf, to get the resources to do whatever, um, doesn't mean that necessarily equates with us getting the love and connection that we want. Like, in fact, the avoidant is the, is, has been rated based on the science and the research to be the least happy and least fulfilled in their relationships.
0: Makes perfect sense. I I, I read somewhere this, this uh, thing that really resonated with me. It said that intimacy is our natural state mm-hmm. and that any breakdown we experience in intimacy is learned behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, if, if you're existing in a, an attachment style that, limits your natural you from being in your natural state it's going to feel unfulfilled unfulfilling. Mm-hmm.
1: yep yeah and it, and it could be that you know let's say you do have an avoidant attachment style it could be that this is like a download from previous generations right this is like in your physical your physiology it's a learned behavior for survival but is it actually going to help you get your basic human need of love and belonging met at the end of the day
0: So you've got these four attachment styles and you can see how they might not play well together. And uh, Mm -hmm. what, like what's next? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's important to just describe for a second, the anxious avoidant trap, because this is the one that so many of us fall into, especially because this is, especially in romantic relationships, when the secure folks are (laughs) off the dating scene, they tend to get partnered up more and more, the anxious avoidant. So the anxious person leans in, the avoidant person steps back. So it's like one person steps forward, the next person steps back. It's like a chase. It's like a dance where neither person is getting their needs met and and they're missing each other. So this is a trap. So what do we do about that? What do we do? How do we navigate all of these different attachment styles? And the way that we do that And get out of that crazy cycle of not getting our needs met and feeling lonely and despondent and misunderstood and trapped and all of these crazy feelings is we look to the unicorns, I'll put that in air quotes, right? Of the secure attachment style, folks. Those people that, those examples in your life that you think of where they've been consistently safe for you. They've been consistently able to connect.
0: I would say that probably 80 or 90% of the couples I've worked with are a combination of this anxious and avoidant attachment Mm -hmm. styles where one is pursuing the other, and the more they pursue the other, the the more the other one withdraws, and the more the other one withdraws, the more anxious they become Mm -hmm. to pursue more. Like, I've seen that dynamic so often. It's
1: incredibly common.
0: You got that going on. What, What do we do?
1: Yeah. So the thing about the anxious and the avoidant or the combo platter is that if you have, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm that. I'm the anxious partner. I'm the avoidant person in in a relationship. I'm the anxious avoidant. Is that even though research has shown that our attachment styles are stable over time, right? Meaning we tend to stay in the same category of attachment style over time. They are plastic. Okay, so this is important. You can change your attachment style. Now, secure folks, we didn't mention this earlier, but folks with a secure attachment style. science has shown that they tend to score higher on relationship fulfillment and satisfaction. So the goal is, if you're in that anxious avoidant trap, is to strive for secure. So think of that person in your mind, maybe it's not your partner, maybe it's not the person you're struggling with, but someone in your life that has shown up for you consistently, shown up safely, given you that warmth and that intimacy consistently, and strive to maybe ask like, you know, we brought up Jesus earlier. What would Jesus do, right? But what would that person do in this specific scenario? So your gut, if you have an anxious attachment style, might be screaming to send the tenth text, to call for the twelfth time, to lean it, to to schedule the the therapy that without you know asking permission from the other person or whatever it is, right? Leaning in. But if you can pause that, you can feel the anxiety, and say, well, what would Barb do? What would John do? Whoever that secure person is for you. What would they do in this situation? And pause and act as if you're secure. That can change the entire dynamic of your relationship. doesn't matter if you're anxious, avoiding or combo. If you strive for secure, what happens is is we can then begin to start developing healthier relationship patterns. Because what the science has shown is that if an anxious person or an avoidant person or a combo, is in relationship with a truly secure person, those fears, those coping mechanisms to lean in or push away, minimize greatly. And so we actually end up becoming more secure by being in the orbit of a secure person. So if you're in the anxious avoidant trap, it's up to hopefully both people step into more secure but at the end of the day even if one person steps into a more secure attachment style rewires that attachment style for themselves it can actually break down that dynamic and create healthier ways of connecting
0: that makes perfect sense to me you know we just launched a program for men who want to save their marriages even if their wives don't think they want to Mm -hmm. Uh, and the first step in that program is to stop doing the crap that's driving her away, which is yeah. showing up as controlling, uh, sounding critical, um, you know, making the environment unsafe for them, and th- th- a lot of that is like the first part is to stop, you know, being showing up as anxious. Basically, I guess is what's going mm-hmm. on, or um, avoidant,
1: depending on how you look at yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and then right? the next then the next step is to start to engage in behaviors that fit with that secure attachment style that you're talking about. And they, uh, these guys uh, who engage in this, they often don't, they, though they understand the doing of the secure attachment style, emotionally, they're not always connecting with it, but it doesn't seem to matter that much. What matters Mm -hmm. is that the message that they're giving their partner is, yeah, I'm done trying to change you, corral Mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, manipulate you, um, bribe you. You know, I'm done with that. I'm gonna let you be who you are. And and how I'm gonna show up is someone who supports you in whatever you choose to do in your individual life. Even if I'm not feeling, I may not always feel aligned with it, but that's behaviorally, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make the environment safe by doing that. And that's actually effective.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly effective. Now, the challenge here is And I talked about this on my training last week is that when we have that anxious or avoidant, that insecure attachment style, right? So all three of them, except for secure, they're kind of labeled under an umbrella of insecure. If we have that insecure attachment style, the trap that we can fall into and we want to be really careful not to fall into is this idea of really like being so having so much anxiety or overwhelm because our attachment system is triggered that we can't then access what it is best to do, you can't access that secure attachment mm-hmm. uh, behavior, right? And so, like this is where, you know, I, I've got a workshop coming up, uh, April twenty second, kind of comes in, and and the tool of safe conversations comes in. Mm-hmm. So if if you don't know what safe conversations is, first and foremost, it's a new way of talking, right? It it works for every attachment style, and it's basically learning how to talk without criticism. Mm-hmm you brought that up as part of your program, right? How to listen without judgment Mm -hmm. and then how to connect beyond difference, right? So you were saying, even if he doesn't agree with what his wife's doing, right? How to connect beyond difference. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us when we've got this really triggered attachment system, that desire to push someone away with criticism or that desire to kind of suffocate them because we want, we want that connection so bad that we have tools to lean on. And so Safe Conversations is a really great tool to lean on. You grab your piece of paper and and, and use this tool, read it right off of it to find a different way. But see, I guess I want to go back here for a second because this the pain thing is really important to, to note and why this tool is so helpful. Because um, so here's an example I'll give. So let's say you're walking down a hallway. You stub your toe. It hurts. It hurts. All right. It's painful. You grab your foot, right? The only thing that you can see in that hallway is your toe, right? That there's, you're not seeing the art on the walls. You're not seeing the dust bunnies in the corner. Like you're not seeing anything, but you're just seeing that toe. And that's what it's like to have that activated attachment, right? And so the tool of safe conversations is really about saying yeah i we don't have access to the the part of us that is secure that that good that part of us that um higher self that like more more mature part of us then and so what do we do we pull out the tools in those moments so that we can show up as secure even when our mind is telling is screaming at us to do everything but uh-huh. Right, screaming at us to lean in for connection, or push away, or a combination.
0: It's of almost habitual. Mm-hmm. You know, really, what we're doing is we're we're stopping one habit and starting a new one. This workshop yeah. sounds awesome. Um, please, we're going to have links in the notes. But what what other people what do people need to know to find you and find out more about the workshop?
1: Yeah. I mean, so we'll leave the link. Been... I
0: understand the workshops for all kinds of relationships. You know, we, I mean, I talked about men who want to have their marriages work, but this problem comes up at work. This problem comes Mm -hmm. up uh, with our parents, with our children. You know, like I can, as we're talking, I can think about a million disconnects I've had with my children because we've got different attachment styles, not just that I'm their dad, (laughs) which is another problem entirely. You know, (laughs) like, so so people, this is really important. How do people find out more about this?
1: Yeah. So I'll make sure that you have the, you guys all have the link. We'll leave it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so you're going to, you're going to, you can follow me on social media at the stress less co. Um, you'll find the link to the workshop, um, in the show notes and, um, gosh, I I just want to reiterate. What was that? How do they find you? How do they find me? Well, you can go to the stress less co on Instagram, um, and Facebook and then you can also find me at the stresslessco.com we can
0: we can, can securely attach website. to you there
1: yeah securely okay, cool. attached. click the follow button and you'll be along for the ride
0: awesome awesome um and i
1: really want to mention too cuz i you know i love to to give love to your community i so appreciate you having me back it's always such a blast so for those who are interested in the workshop i want to just let let you know that i do have a promo code for you And it's just the word Rich, R-I-C-H. And you can save $100 off your ticket if you decide to join me on April 22nd.
0: Nice, nice. And I understand it's up on Eventbrite, and the title is Safe Conversations Workshop.
1: Yes, you got it. It might be
0: Safe Conversations Workshop tickets.
1: Safe Conversations uh, Workshop is the name of the event. It's happening April 22nd from noon to 4 p.m. Eastern. So I tried to make it a time that works for for both coasts of the U S but it is online. I think that's an important thing to share. So, you know, wherever you're in the world, you're welcome to join. And there will be a recording although I do encourage you to attend live if you can, because we'll be practicing the tools in real time, help you build the habit and integrate it right away.
0: Yeah. Really important when you're trying new things to actually do them. Yeah. I have a a workbook that I give uh, people divorcing a toxic spouse. And it says on the front of the workbook, do the exercise. Don't read through the whole workbook. Just yep. stop and do the exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do not read the book and think you're going to come back because you never will. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. I love that you will actually stop people and have them do the exercise. Super cool. Yeah, yeah, so not only you going to learn a the powerful... and not a lecture.
1: Yeah, this is the thing. It's good. You're going to get that really, really powerful information that you need, right? But you're also going to have integrated time to practice. So if there's a person in your life, too, that you want to practice this with, or you want to bring them along for the journey, you can practice this in real time with my support at
0: this workshop. Awesome. Really powerful integration. Really awesome. Carly, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind?
1: Mm. Well, I think the legacy that I really want to leave behind is twofold. One is, I think that the world would be... much better place if we were able to all function from a place of curiosity so i'd love to uh leave that kind of state um, i think that's how safe conversations ended up in my life and um to to help gosh if we could all find that beautiful state of mind if we could learn um even if just one person although i know i've touched more lives than that at this point learned how to be emotionally sober, sit with themselves so that they had the capacity to connect with another person. That legacy of, of true connection between people, gosh, would be, I'd be so happy.
0: <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Yeah, I like that vision. Well, look, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, and we're going to make sure that all this good information gets out to people. And uh, I wish you all the success in the world.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again.